Great big good morning. Wonderful to have you joining me here today. Whether you are joining us live or archived from wherever you're joining us across the country, it is wonderful to have you here. Special hello to our studio audience here today. And, and today, folks, we're looking at a, at a topic I think that a lot of us, I imagine probably all of us can identify with, the topic of loneliness. Famous line by Dorothy Day said, we have all known the long loneliness. And I think probably a truer thing has never been said. I think a lot of life, right? There's certain losses that, that I understand, that, that, that you understand, and then there's these other kind of challenges and losses that are so hard to wrap our brains around. But loneliness, I think loneliness is one we all get. Because we've all felt that, we've all been there, we've all struggled with it. And how is it that we can find through, through a spiritual life a way to feel more connected? I mean, if religion is all about religio, Latin for reconnection, then we have to have something to say about it. And that's what we're going to do today, is we're going to get some sense of it. And my hope today, you know, as I was looking over the notes, it's, it's not like a three-step program. In other words, if you're tuning in and you're thinking, great, I'm going to find out exactly in three short steps how to not be lonely, this is not the sermon for you. Because I have no idea. I have no clue what those three steps would be. But I do have a sense of what God wants for you. And the way God's divine providence is pointing all of our lives to this idea of community, connection, all these beautiful things that really is God's will. So with looking at this, folks, it was interesting doing a little, doing a little research on this stuff. Interesting statistic for you to start out with, 60% of those aged 18 to 25 report high levels of loneliness. That's a recent study out of Harvard. The other part of this statistic, and I don't have a slide for it, but it really was fascinating to me. For young adults, for young adults today, can you guess how many social media platforms a young adult has today? What's the average number? Just put a number in your head. That's really good. 8.4. I couldn't name five. <laughs> but that idea, right, that, that we're in this age where, where, where young adults have eight point, that's the average, right? So that means they got 8.4 different places where, where we're trying to curate our life. Like, what does that say? All these different venues, all these different ways of connecting. Most connected era we've ever been in. Most connected era we've ever been in. And yet, by most studies, loneliness has skyrocketed. What a paradox. All these venues, all these ways, and at the same time, all this loneliness. How do we put that together? How do we find a way to have a conversation around that in a way that, that might bring us back to, to what is actually the most significant parts of our lives? And, and again, I don't think it's necessarily a three-step thing. And, and I'm, always, I'm always like tempted. I'm always tempted to think, well, we just need to do it the way our grandparents did it. Well, that's not going to happen. So how is it that we can speak to, live into, lean into a new way of doing things that will somehow start to maybe alleviate just a piece of loneliness? And today will be about 
looking at that and, and just trying to put some thoughts to it. Just trying to put a container to it, a box to it. And this is first of a three-part series, and we're just going to keep on looking at this for the next couple of weeks, because I think it is that important. I think the place I want to start with, folks, I think a true sense, a, a true way to start to move past loneliness is to have two things. Both this, a right kind of sense of self and understanding connection. Right kind of sense of self and understanding connection. I was having a conversation with some wonderful online viewers last week. We were chatting about this, how, how the best way to connect is not like looking for our identity in a group, coming into it sort of amorphous and waiting for the group to kind of define who we are. But it's when we can enter groups, and it's, it's a synergy, right? When we can enter a group, a family, a group of friends, however, we can end it really clear about who we are. And that's not sort of a Pollyannish, like, look how wonderful I am, don't you all agree? <laughs> you know, that's not it at all. It's this really authentic, wholehearted, wholehearted means the good and the bad, form of autonomy. Because if we can do that, folks, if we can enter in with that kind of autonomy, that kind of sense of self in, its, in, 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 in its, all its facets, and we're clear about that, boy, it allows us to enter into relationships so much more cleanly and clearly. It allows those relationships to thrive and allows us to thrive within those relationships themselves. So you want to join me on that journey today? It'll be fun to talk with you about it. And we want to start out by taking a look at this. When was the first time you felt truly independent? And you can text an answer in to me. You can text it to 215-740-3662. That's 215-740-3662. When was the first time? And we got some answers online that were fun. One person at age 18 got their first apartment. Another person got their first job when they were a sophomore in high school and how fun that was. For me, it was learning how to drive. I remember thinking as soon as I got my license when I was 16, I thought, that's it. Life is now complete. What was it for you? Where did you really have that initial sense of independence where it's like, oh, this is so cool. I can do something myself. Text that into me. And as the musicians get, come out here for our first song, enjoy our music. And then when we come back, we're going to flesh this out a little bit. Taking a look at the story of Adam and Eve as a story of developing the right kind, the enlivening kind of autonomy. Welcome. Welcome to New Church Live. Morning, everybody. Don't know where it goes, but it's home to me. 
Lots of, lots of great answers out there, and I just I get such a kick out of, out of reading them. And just so you know, just this is for our online audience, for those of you who watch us archive, feel free to answer these later in the week. Even just this morning, I was answering a comment someone made from a, from a service like three weeks ago. There will be no, why didn't you join us live shaming, I promise. You know, anytime you're watching from anywhere, we're just glad to have you join us. And feel free again to just participate, send me a note, just make sure you tag it with who you are and I'd be glad to respond right back. So a lot of these were really fun folks. Uh, let's take a look at just a sampling of these. 
It, one person writes, in 1988, after college graduation, loading all my worldly possessions into my beat-up Toyota hatchback and heading for Chicago, from Chicago to Philadelphia to start my real life. I loved this one. This one brought a big smile. Uh, this person wrote, Independence moment. When I got a ride lawnmower of my own for a small grass cutting business, I started about 16 years old. You know, how many of us remember that, right? Like the first lawnmower ride. After my parents got divorced, I quickly learned to help take care of myself and my siblings. When I first started to travel on pleasure trips, when I turned 43 years old, I really felt I had to have my own life before then. That's really beautifully said there. I think it began for real when my first child was born, my first apartment in Elkins Park, becoming a mother for the first time. When we got engaged, my soul became free. Probably age 18, but it was really just all in my mind, LOL. That's very well said. And there's a bunch of other ones. And folks, it's just, it's just I, I want just the sense, right? We have that sense, right? And that, that sense of independence, like that first lawnmower, right? and that first job, and that first apartment. And then life happened, right? And then life happened. We keep on going back and forth and back and forth. I was thinking about the, 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 the marriage one in there, which is really beautiful. And I think how many of us, you know, think, oh yeah, I finally had that real sense of autonomy when I marry the right one. But we're using when I marry the right one, there's no we in there. There's no plural. There's no idea of it's, it's a connected thing. These, these kind of comments are really important because I think they speak to folks life and, and, and this sense of creation and how, how we get this sense of starting on this road of independence. Now, one of just the truisms of, of Christian New Church thought, I think, that's so incredibly important is that, that the Bible starts, maybe you've heard me say this many times, but it just, it needs reinforced, probably needs to be said once a month. The Bible, the Lord's Word, does not start with original sin. I realize for some folks it's a huge newsflash. <laughs> it starts with original blessing. Think about that. It starts with original blessing because you start with original blessing. That's why you were created. Original blessing. And I love the idea that as God goes through and he, he labels all this creative process, he labels it one of two ways. He doesn't label it, there's good and there's bad. This is how he labels it. There's good and there's very good. Like, that's great theology. And that, what a wonderful place to start. And then out of that, again, we, we mentioned a few weeks ago, there's kind of two creation stories. God creates the world, he creates humanity, and then there's a second specific creation story dealing with Adam and Eve, who many of you have probably have heard those names before. And this is where the story shifts in a really interesting way. So let's take a look at that, friends. God created the world, created it good, very good. And then he has this story where he creates Adam. The word Adam means ground or earth. He creates something out of earth. Gives this Adam a sense of self. Gives this Adam this garden of Eden, this paradise that's filled with all kinds of fruits and all kinds of animals, just filled with stuff. And then there's this realization. 
where Adam says, I'm lonely. I'm lonely. It's kind of interesting, right? Because I think, if I, you know, best of my knowledge, and somebody can correct me on this, it's the first time a human emotion is actually identified. And it's, it's the emotion of loneliness. And it's interesting how the story goes on. This is reading from Genesis 2, verse 18. And Jehovah God said, it's not good for the human to be alone. Let me make him an aid that seems to be his. So right off the bat, there's this, this beautiful idea of that, that, yep, it's not necessarily great for people to be lonely. I mean, we all have moments where, where we love to feel alone, right? Right, we can all raise our hands in that, right? There are moments where we all feel like alone is being good, right? But that's a little different from being lonely. And that loneliness, that loneliness, here God is saying, the first thing God says is not good is that. That loneliness feeling. Because that tells you, that tells you where God is pointing us in our lives, where he may be wanting to take, take us on our path of life. So what happens in this very famous story? Adam falls asleep. God takes a rib out of, out of Adam, and that rib becomes Eve. Now, now, in the new church, we read this as poetic truth, not as literal truth. And that Adam and Eve really are parts of us. This is not a story about how men were created and how women were created and how it's all out of a rib. It's, it's a story about a, a, this growing sense of autonomy. It's really a story poetically about autonomy. And us growing into a spiritual, a spiritual selfhood that's healthy. And it takes time for that to develop. I mean, this is not a story where all of a sudden Eve, Eve comes into being and it's the end of the Bible story. No, this is really the beginning of the story. But it's the beginning of this healthy sense of autonomy what is in reality a blessed selfhood. A blessed selfhood. Manuel Swedenborg uses these words. He says, God gives life to our intrinsic characteristics. God gives life to our intrinsic characteristic, characteristics. And this is that place where, 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 you know, God's giving life to your particular gifts. And, and, and some of us have kids and and some of us have nieces and nephews who we might love. Like, what do you want more than just to see their gifts come alive? Because it's, it's not gifts, folks, and this is a little tangent. It's not gifts so that they can say, well, here you're gifted. That means you're better than everyone else. It's gifts that allow us to belong to humanity. Your gifts are given to you so that you can belong to humanity. if you want to think of it musically, so you can play your part in the song. And that should bring a big smile. God created the world. God, I keep coming back to it. Good, very good. God doesn't want people to feel lonely because he wants you to get, please hear this at the bottom of your soul, God wants you to hear as well that you belong. That you belong. 
we can see that, we can see that sort of spirit, I think, that God would want as we watch children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, friends, as we, as we watch people grow. I, I think to the idea, folks, right, of, of like toddlers, when toddlers start to get that sense of self. Is it beautiful? Yes. Is it sometimes deeply challenging? Yes. But that beautiful sense of self where they really do start to get a sense of themselves. Again, reading from a piece of Christian New Church theology, there is a dominant love that remains with each of us. We all have many loves, but they all go back to one dominant love, and those form a single whole with us. A single whole. I love that idea, right? Like, like they're starting to get their sense of self, and that's so important, that blessed autonomy, and that that starts to give them a wholeness of life. A wholeness, a connectedness, a sense of deep belonging. And I love the idea after having three daughters that did dance. You know, you think of the time, right, where you go to your, your, your daughter's first ballet recital if you have a daughter who liked that. And it was really sweet yesterday. I want to share this little story with you. So, so yesterday we had a beautiful wedding. And, uh, you know, the daddy-daughter dance, what he picked, his daughter had been big into ballet. He picked for their first dance the first ballet recital song that she had ever done and performed for them. That's really good. A plus, Dad. That idea, right, where, where, we're, where we're celebrating our kids at that level, and it could be anything, watching them play soccer or play an instrument. Well, I'm here to tell you folks, you ready for this? At that age, they're not that good. They're not that good. The dance isn't that good. How many of us have been in a piano recital and the fact is it wasn't that good, right? But it was, it was not only good, it was very good. Why? Because you're seeing through what they're doing to who they are. I want to say that again. You're seeing past what they're doing to who they are. And you're celebrating that. When we become old and curmudgeons, <laughs> we just base it on the performance principle. And we forget the person behind that. And folks, just think for a minute. Take a breath. Think a time when you saw that. Ballet recital, music recital, soccer game, whatever it was with the little kid. You saw past the performance to the person. And think about the joy that brought you. Think about the excitement after that. Ready for this, friends? That's how God angels see you. Think about that for a minute. And if that's how God and angels see us, I think that's a call to action for a way that we too can start to see the world. Because I, I don't think we need just these moments when we're toddlers or when we're the eight-year-old in the first ballet recital. I think we constantly need to do the work of seeing the person deeply. Seeing that love that they hold and the wholeness that it creates. Seeing God giving life to their intrinsic characteristics. 
Again, to tie it back to the story, Adam, that bone, that bone is like a dead thing, but it creates this living being. That's where God breathes life into these intrinsic characteristics. And they become this beautiful form of autonomy. It's interesting, and this is a little caution. I, I think a lot of the time in our culture, it's easy to think, well, then it's all about the spotlight. All about the spotlight. Like, how do we put each person in turn in a spotlight? And that's really good, but also remember that's FBI, uh, you know, inquisition as well. It's not just a spotlight. See, See, if we're just about spotlight and how do we create spotlights, you know, spotlights can actually be really lonely places. It can be very much a way to disengage from other people where it just becomes all about spotlight, 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 spotlight. I think it is fine when you're 10, 11, 12, if you still are craving the spotlight at 57, (laughs) I think that's a challenge. What is it instead? Well, again, not necessarily that, that spotlights are bad, they have their use, they have their purpose. But I think the proper sense of autonomy, and this is why, folks, like I'm not coming at it like these are the three steps you need to take to not be lonely. I want to share with you how I see it in terms of the sense that God is is giving us. It's a little like this. Let me do a little divergence here. There was a great quote, very famous quote, on how to get people to build ships. And the quote says, essentially, don't give them plans. Give them a love for the sea. Don't give them the plans, give them the love for the sea. Now, they'll come to the plans after they have the love for the sea. The love for the sea should come first. And and with that whole ocean-going motif, I think a real sense of autonomy, that's what it has, friends. It has this sense of a calm sea. You, You think about the people who you know in your life, you really admire their sense of autonomy. Not their whatever, but you really admire their sense of autonomy. What are they? Well, they're a calm sea. I was talking with a friend yesterday. We were out on a walk talking about a a former boss of mine. And and this particular boss, he was so good at just being absolutely honest and calm at the same time. And I would witness this person more than once. Like, there'd there'd be a kerfuffle, there'd be a something going on, a lot of chaos. And he very calmly, unanxious presence, would speak the truth to that moment. And it would just become very calm. That, I think, is the kind of autonomy that God is desiring for us. And it's the kind of autonomy I don't believe we learn in isolation. In fact, I know that. We don't learn autonomy in isolation. We learn proper autonomy, life-giving autonomy, the kind of autonomy that God created you to experience in this life. We learn it through connection. And it's, it adds that word humble to it because it's both this humble autonomy and this humble connection that starts to grow into this beautiful, soft interdependence. Now, now let's take a look at a, at a Bible story. You know, the, the story goes on. Eve is created, and then these are, these are God's words here from Genesis 2, verse 24. 
Therefore, a man will leave his father and his mother and cling to his wife, and they will be one flesh. They will be one flesh. Now, that idea of one flesh is really fascinating. Because if you take that a certain way, you could see it as a call to codependency. <laughs> but it's not. It's a different kind of oneness. And, and I think, you know, when you look at it as a poetic truth, there's a leaving here. There's a leaving of, of what we considered father, mother, home, this past, and this moving into some future with this sense of autonomy, this inner self that has given birth to this, this beautiful sense of autonomy. And, and here God is saying, yeah, cling to that. Reach for that. Ready for this word? Embrace that. Embrace that humble sense of autonomy found through a humble sense of connection. Embrace that calm sea. Folks, that, that idea, that idea of that, that kind of inner independence and interdependence, here's, here's the fascinating part to it. You know, what we've been doing, just so you know, a little aside, every weekday morning at 8.30 a.m., we do a little Bible study at New Church Live. You can watch it on Facebook Live. You can watch it on our homepage. We've been, like, looking at different pieces of this story. A lot of it gets rolled into a bigger Sunday service uh, where we can, we can really go at these points. And this was one that really struck me. You know, so here's God saying, right? So, so you have to create this one flesh. You have to create this oneness. This, this connectedness. And I don't think that's where it stops. I think we're being asked to have this sense of oneness in smaller, intimate circles. Please listen carefully. Have this sense of oneness in smaller, intimate circles so we can lean into a world where those circles start to expand. For those deeply steeped in Christian New Church theology, this is called degrees of the neighbor. Where it starts here, we have this sense of autonomy and this sense of connection. Probably most of us have at least one or two other people in our life where we really just feel like, oh man, I just can so be, I mean, the language is so beautiful. Or the language, just like, I can just be myself. And just be who I am. We're supposed to feel that way. And that's supposed to pass outward, ripple out there into the world, this deep sense of autonomy and this deep sense of connection as well. And what happens with that, folks, I mean, it's kind of interesting that the next part of the story you know, goes on, and again, looking at it poetically, it's fascinating. And then the Bible goes on and says, and they were naked and not ashamed. Adam and Eve, naked and not ashamed. And, and I, you know, you can look at that a number of ways. This is how I'm choosing to look at it. And, and I think it's, it's, it's an important way grounded, again, in, in the messages we're trying to, to share with people. You know, the idea of naked and not ashamed means, this is who I am. I don't think, you know, naked, not ashamed. We would hear that, I think, with our 21st century ears, and we think, man, they must have perfect bodies. I don't think that's true. I think 
This is about imperfect people, imperfect bodies, imperfect life. And the idea where we can just be like, yeah, here it is. This is what I struggle with. This is what I wrestle with. I'm not going to put it on you <laughs> because I know it's me. Been wrestling with it forever. That is the very nature of wholehearted living, I think. And the very nature of ways when we can do that, folks, that, that we actually start to connect with people. I love, 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 love this, this quote from David Brooks, wonderful Christian author. And David Brooks holds it this way, moral behavior doesn't start with having the right beliefs. That's big, right there. Moral behavior starts with an act. The act of seeing the full humanity of other people. And there I'm thinking again, they were naked and not afraid. You see, you see their full humanity, you see your full humanity. Moral behavior is not about having the right intellectual concepts in your head, super critical. It's about seeing. It's about seeing. It's about seeing other people with the eyes of the heart, seeing them in their full experience. Suffering with their suffering. That's known as compassion, by the way. Walking with them on their path. Morality starts with the quality of attention we cast upon another. Morality starts with the quality of attention we cast upon another. That, that's a brilliant line. Brilliant piece of writing there. So when I hear stories of that, stories like that are so amazing to me. Right? They just, they, they're awe-inspiring. They're humbling. As the musicians come out here for our middle song, I want to share with you, one with you that my dad shared with me. I've shared this one in here once before, but I felt like it really, really addresses this topic we're talking about. So my dad was a veteran in the Korean War, so he, of the Korean War, so he was a combat medic during the Korean War. So he worked, he worked in an area called the Iron Triangle there, and they would, take, they would take people from the front lines back to MASH units. And he was one of the medics that was part of his job. And, and my dad told me a story, and again, this is like the quality of attention that we cast on another, quality of attention, like what's the quality of it? You know, and here, my dad is in a war zone, they're fighting Korean soldiers, and Korean soldiers backed up by Chinese soldiers. And he goes into this MASH hospital, just like the show, Mobile Army Surgical Hospital. He goes into this MASH unit to deliver, to deliver a soldier, and he looks over, and he sees there's a Chinese soldier there, the enemy. And he said, Jack, he was eating an apple. And all of a sudden, it occurred to me that we're all one. See, that's the kind of seeing I think that Brooks is referencing here. It's a quality of attention cast on another that starts to change things. And it not only forms community, it forms identity. It helps us to, again, lean into broader circles, but it also brings us home. It brings us home to who we really are. It brings us back to the seeing 
That's God's will for all of us. We live in a world that needs that. So as we go through this song, just think about how that looks in your life. Where are you yearning for that new quality of attention, casting it on other people? of the rice in the church where a wedding is been lives in a dream waits at the window wearing the face that she keeps in a jar by the door who is it for all the lonely people where do they all come from all the lonely people where do they all belong Father Mackenzie writing the words of a sermon that no one will hear no one comes near look at him working donning his socks in the night when there's nobody there what does he care all the lonely people where do they all come from all the lonely people where do they all belong i look at all the lonely people i look at all the lonely people eleanor rigby died in the church and was buried along with her name Nobody came, I can't see, wiping the dirt from his hands as he walks from the grave. No one was saved, all the lonely people. Where do they all come from? All the lonely people. Where do they all belong? Thank you. By the way, huge shout out to, uh, to Ethan and Emily. They, um, so, you know, I, I graduated high school in 1983. They get to open for Pat Benatar, which if you're from the 80s, that's like way, way, way fun to, way fun to, to think about. Uh, yeah, way fun to think about. So, so folks, we're gonna set up a video here again, and this is, this is a video for, for a fundraising video. And I just, I, I wanna say this, right? Like, like New Church Live, we're able to offer the things we're able to offer because people donate. And, and it always feels super awkward, like asking people for money, but, but we have to ask. We have to ask, it's just that simple. And, and we're gonna ask especially the online audience. We live in an online world where, where people, most online stuff is free. Can I say this with a smile? Church ain't, you know? Church is not free online, <laughs> it just isn't. It takes a lot of work, it takes, a, we have a beautiful staff and team who works tirelessly to put out an online product, which, which most of our congregation, the vast majority of which enjoys online throughout the week. 
So please take a listen to this video that Angela, and please consider, please consider as we come to the end of our fiscal year, we really need your support. We need it as a way to help New Church Live continue to serve people. Angela. Hey, New Church Live, it's Angela. So we need your help. Our fiscal year ends June 30th, and we are working harder than ever to try to raise the money it takes to run New Church Live. And that's where you come in. We need everyone to make a donation and support this congregation that you so love and count on. Every week we offer services um, during the week, on Sunday, you can watch them whenever you want, from wherever you want, in the comfort of your own home. We also offer small groups, community service opportunities, pastoral counseling, and you name it, the list goes on and on. So we need your support to continue offering the services and programs that you all count on. So we hope you'll consider making a donation by June 30th. Every dollar, every amount makes a huge difference. It doesn't matter how small or large it is. We need everyone to step up to raise the money it takes to run New Church Live. So we hope you'll consider making a donation today. So thank you folks for, for listening to that. And now, and now as, as we close, this idea of, of connectedness, I wanna sort of come back to that. This idea of the quality of attention we cast on another, the quality of attention we cast on another. I think, folks, when we look when we look at connection, I'm going to step over here. We we can look at it a number of two ways. You know, how does this idea of self and connection? How does it all go together? Well, you know, as somebody who works a lot with with couples and and uh, relationship issues with the people have who come for pastoral help with. There's always, there's, there's sort of a dangerous idea out there. And, and I'm, I'm going to say this so lightly. I, I tell couples this. I've said this to this congregation many times. It's a statement many people use, and there's nothing wrong with the statement. It's just you got to be careful with it. And it's the statement, you complete me. It's the statement you complete. Now, now again, I think there are a lot of times, like when we're really in a loving relationship, it feels like we've found completeness, Right? And, and this is one of the challenges I have, is that if we really believe you complete me, by, by derivation, by a few steps down, that means you also incomplete me when things aren't going well. And most of the time, my experience when I work with people struggling with relationships, what they want to do is they want to come in and they want to tell me where their partner's wrong. <laughs> and they want me to be like Judge Judy and go, well, you're totally right. That's not really a way to develop a sense of self and autonomy, because if, if I'm sort of in the, in the place of the, the final arbitrator of all things, and I'm thinking if, you know, somebody who's like, well, you complete me, that means you incomplete me, I want to tell other people about your problems. That's not, that's not the kind of autonomy God is asking you for. It's a good way to be judgmental, <laughs> but it's not a good way to be autonomous. Remember I said autonomy is about wholeheartedness. It's about the both and. It's about, this is me. It's a different kind of place to be. Imagine this. Instead of this idea of you complete me, the statement of gratitude. Thank you for walking with me. Or, if it fits better, thank you for walking with us. 
I think probably, I don't know, I, I would say 100%, but I don't know that for, to be sure. I think most people at any given time have a number of relationships that are really challenging. It's really up for them at that moment. Imagine that person texting you today, emailing you today, sending you a message in a bottle today, whatever it might be, and them just simply saying, look, I know times are hard. Thank you for walking this journey with me. How would that land with you? I don't have an answer. I'm just curious. Like, how would that, answer, how would that land with you? Something to think about. Because if so much of spirituality is let it begin with me, what if we began from that part? Just began, like, just thank you for walking with me. What a difference that could make. I think, folks, when we start to see ourselves as part of creation, this, this individual part and part of the whole, this idea of all flesh, one flesh, one, one, this oneness, made in the image and likeness of God. It breeds a kind of autonomy that is not based on vanity, not based on a spotlight. I love this idea, right, that God made each one of you uniquely. You are made in God's image and likeness. Do you know how cool that is? And God not only made you in God's image and likeness, he like put a stamp right on your forehead. And he said, good, very good. Two-handed stamp. Good, very good. That's what he did with all creation. I love the idea of trees. Like, when I look at a tree, that tree is that one part of God's creation every bit as much as I am. And it's filled with all these beautiful leaves. All these beautiful leaves. Right? Each leaf, unique beautiful, in a certain sense, amazing. And granted, there's different trees, there's different leaves, there's different communities, there's different societies, there's different loves, but, but the, the beauty of a leaf is, I mean, it's outrageous. Like, look at a leaf today. The Bible closes with these words. The leaves of the tree will be for the healing of the nations. Now we can look at that, right? And we can say, well, that's dealing with specific doctrinal things that we can learn. And, and that's true. Like these doctrinal things can really be helpful. But folks, we're this too. It's not just leaves, like David Brooks said, it's not just leaves as ideas. It's leaves as people. The leaves of the tree, the, the totality of things, the, the connectedness of things. That, friends, is so much the way the healing works. That's, that's the way that we have to come back to, again, that story. Like so much of life when we get into crisis, isn't it interesting? And I think we're in a crisis. So much of crisis is coming back to the stories we know to be true. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Autonomy, connection. Like it's hard to get the right language around how to close that up, but, but just allow that to live in your heart. What does that look like for you? How can you live that? 
in a way that brings joy, in a way that brings service, in a way that actually starts to change things beautifully. Because if there's any way to do it, it's together with us all bringing our gifts. Because when we all bring our gifts, as God gives us to see it, that's where we figure out what belonging really means. And we won't find that belonging in moving from 8.4 social platforms to 9.5. <laughs> where will we find it? Together. Together. Now, friends, in the spirit of that, we're going to do a closing prayer. We're going to do the closing prayer a little differently. We're, we're blessed, again, with congregants all over the country. And on occasion, these congregants buzz through town and, and invite me out to lunch. And I'm all about lunch, in case you haven't noticed. And, and you know, anytime you are in town from anywhere, please feel free to call us. Please feel free to stop by. And please feel free to take me to lunch. All those things are true. So I was so honored and privileged to have dear friends from out in Michigan stop by and take me out to lunch. It was wonderful to get a chance to chat with them. So they're actually going to join me for the end of our, our service here today for last prayer. So Barb and Blake, please come on up. Folks, give them a little applause here so they can. Uh... All right. Now, this is, this is the stairway of death right here, so be super careful. And we'll just all stand right here. So I'll just let you folks say hi. Hi, everybody. I'm Barb Olson. I'm from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Ann Arbor. It's, yeah, it's been a pleasure to meet Chuck, and actually, thank you for welcoming me. Welcome me into this community. That's beautiful. Been, yeah, lovely. Thank you. And I have, to, I have to tell you with Barb, so we were chatting yesterday, and I'm a big Penn State guy, so there were a few Ohio State Things and Barb flashed me the Ohio State signs. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Lake Sinnethbet, uh, I live in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. Bloomfield, great to have you guys here. Wonderful to have you guys, and thank you for lunch. Thank you. <laughs> That's good. So we're going to join us. Please join us in prayer. So, Lord, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for the beautiful souls that get to be part of our life. Thank you, Lord, for this idea that in connection we find out who we truly are. And in who we truly are, we find more and more connection. Lord, how beautiful is that? Help us to live into that world. Help us to be in that place. Help us, Lord, not just to see it as somewhere on a screen. Because obviously, Lord, social platforms are not necessarily what leads to connection. But help us to find the deep connection by reaching out, by doing the best we can, connecting as best we can with the tools that we have, with the gifts that are ours to give, and in doing so, finding our place, our place in creation. The leaves of the tree, Lord, are for the healing of the nations. And a final blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you peace, and bring you home. Amen.
Sitting in the morning sun I'll be sitting when the evening comes Watching the ships rolling Then I watch them roll away again Oh, I'm just sitting on the dock of the bay Watching the tides roll away Ooh, sitting on the dock of the bay Wasting time I left my home in Georgia Heading for the Frisco Bay Wish I had something to live for Seems like nothing's gonna come my way Oh, so I'm gonna sit on the dock of the bay Watching the tides roll away Ooh, sitting on the dock of the bay Wasting time Looks like nothing's gonna change Everything just remains the same I can't do what the people tell me to do, no So I guess I'll remain the same Rest in my bones This loneliness won't leave me alone It's 2,000 miles I roll Just to make this dock my home Oh, I'm just gonna sit on the dock of the bay Watching the tides roll away On the dock of the bay, wasting time. Thank you. Have a great week, everybody.